Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, June 28th, 2021. We are quickly approaching Olympics season as the Olympic Games are scheduled to be uh, competed later this summer and even now over the past couple of weeks. You, you might see on television the trials to make the Olympic team for the United States of America. So prepare yourselves to watch and to care about sports and things that you have not cared about for four and, well, in this case, five years now. Things like swimming or track and field. And one event in particular in the track and field competitions that's kind of one of the big moments towards the end of the games is the 4 by 100 relay race. And it's a race that the Americans have had some trouble in notably over some of the past Olympic games because there's a critical part to that race. And that part is passing the baton, right? You you remember, you think of those relay races and the critical part there is those handoffs of the baton. And if you step out of your lane or in that moment, or you drop your baton in that moment, well, the race is over for you and your team. It doesn't matter if you ran, you know, a record, world record time in your leg of the race. If you fail to pass on the baton, your team will lose. Well, as Christians, we need to think about the importance of passing the baton ourselves. As we think about not just our own faith, but how we are passing that on to others. And today I want us to specifically consider how we're passing that faith on to future generations. And we're going to consider this as we begin a rather long psalm, Psalm 78. We're going to see this psalm is going to recount a lot of history in the nation of Israel, but it's going to begin by telling us why. Why is this song going to look back and consider uh, much of the history of Israel? And as we look at the first eight verses of Psalm 78 today, it begins, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So there you see, our fathers have told us these things. And then verse four, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and of his might and the wonders that he has done. So we've heard these things from our fathers. Now we want to pass them on to the coming generation. Verse 5, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And then we get a warning here in verse 8 that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. 
So that's kind of a little bit foreboding that there are going to be some darker elements in this recounting of the history because it's going to be encouraging future generations to be faithful by pointing out and reminding them of some of the ways that past generations were unfaithful. But we see this critical component that the faith needs to be passed on to future generations. And I think that's something, no matter where you are as a Christian, you should care about. Now, many of you might be in the active stages of parenting, where you have children living in your home. Well, then this really hits home for you, that you are kind of above everything else, one of the top priorities in your life should really be passing on the faith to those children. And if you are a parent listening to this, remember that uh, that is your job. It, It is not something that can be delegated away. Now, there might be some things, and hopefully there are some things that help you. That's one of the reasons why children's ministry and youth ministry are so important at our church, uh, because we want to do everything we can do to pass on the faith to future generations. But parents, you must realize none of that is meant to do the job for you. You need to be actively invested. Fathers, are you reading the word to your children and teaching them about who God is and what he has done? Moms, are you spending time being intentional to point your kids to the word, to point your kids to the to the character of God? These are important things. But some of you listening, you might be in a, a place in life where that doesn't apply to you. You are not a parent with kids in your home. You might not even be married. You might be single and young, or you might be uh, older and, and you are a parent, but your kids are uh, long out of the house. Well, th- that does not mean you can't be engaged in passing on the faith to future generations. Even we just think of opportunities to serve in things like kids ministry or youth ministry, ways that you can actively choose to serve to teach the next generation about the Lord. Or you you think about uh, those that some of you that have the opportunity of being grandparents and, and what a incredible opportunity that is to continue to invest in future generations. And no matter who you are, what life stage you're in, there's the opportunity to pray for future generations. We want to see the faith passed on. So let's be excited and committed to that task. And now as we turn from Psalm 78 to 2 Kings, one thing I want us to realize in connection is so much of what we see in 1 and 2 Kings, I think, stems from a failure to do this. We're going to read some of the history of how unfaithful these people were, but many times I think what we're going to see is it's a failure of of parenting and and just other things in the culture that were meant to pass the baton, right? The baton got dropped so many times throughout first and second kings that you might even see one king being faithful, but they are not raising up their their sons, the future king, to do the same. And today we kind of read something that's a, a disaster in a kind of a consequence of this unfaithfulness. And we're going to see this in the form of a a man named Jehu. And so we've been reading about Ahab, and we know that he was a wicked king, and it's his descendants that are still on the throne of the northern kingdom of Israel. And at this point, it's actually even Ahab's descendants that are on the throne or, or 
in the royal line in the southern kingdom. Because even though Jehoshaphat was a good king in the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, that he let one of his sons marry a daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, which was not a good thing to do. And so we see that idolatry now creeping into the southern kingdom. And so there we see a failure to pass the baton. And God is going to do something to kind of wipe the system clean here and give these kingdoms something of a fresh start. And he's going to do it through this man named Jehu, who is going to kill the king of Israel and take his place. He's also going to kill the king of Judah. And we're going to see how God leads to some revival and changes in the wake of of that. Uh, but this is not exactly fun reading today. But what we need to see is that it's really an act of judgment against God because things were getting so far off the rails as the baton were being was failing to be passed that his judgment is going to come and reset things a bit. And we're going to see that in the southern kingdom. But today it ends more with a focus on the northern kingdom and Jehu actually reigning in Israel. And it's a sad end because he does so much of what God wants him to do. But at the end, it says that he doesn't turn from the sin of Jeroboam, right? He totally abolishes the worship of Baal and totally destroys the temple of Baal, which was a good thing. But those golden calves that Jeroboam set up, he didn't abolish those. And so we see that what God is looking for, even in a real revival, is not just the elimination of of sin, but also the establishment of righteousness. And that was something that Jehu failed to do. So even as we think about the importance of passing the baton to our own children and uh, to the future generations represented in our church and in our communities, let First and Second Kings be a warning of how bad things can get when that does not happen. Well, we know another person that was always seeking to pass on the faith to others was the Apostle Paul. And we pick up kind of his story again in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 through 33. And as we look at this passage, what we see is uh, him again defending himself. And you can tell he does not like doing this. Starting in verse 16, it says, I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. So he's talking about um, how he's going to have to boast a little bit. And he says, for you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves, right? He's kind of starting to be sarcastic with them that they're listening to these other people boast about themselves, uh, that now he is going to have to boast some of his self. And in the middle of verse 21, it says, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. So you can tell he doesn't like doing this. I also dare to boast of that. But I want you to notice now what he goes on to boast about. And uh, you, you think of what a pastor or a minister might boast about. And you might think of somebody talking about, well, I've I studied at these schools under these professors or these pastors, and I've preached these sermons to this large of crowds, and I've written these many books, and I have this many Twitter followers. You you think of things, I guess Paul wouldn't have talked about Twitter followers or writing books, but you can think of things maybe a modern pastor could be tempted to boast about. And you see what now Paul boasts about, and 
you know, he basically says, hey, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? So am I. In fact, I'm a better one. And then he says, I'm I'm speaking as a madman. But then notice what he goes on to highlight. It's not what we would think of as his ministry accomplishments. That's not what, in Paul's mind, makes him a genuine servant of Christ. It's his sufferings. He goes on now to a long list of all the things that he has suffered for the sake of the gospel. And let that be a good reminder to us that so many of the things the world may want to boast of, that's not what it's all about. And Paul wasn't just boasting, well, look, I have planted these many churches. I have raised up this many pastors. I have written how much of the New Testament? No, he goes on to say, I've been beaten. I've worked hard. I've been imprisoned. I've been whipped. I've been shipwrecked. I've been in danger, in wilderness, in hunger and thirst. And every day I bear upon me anxiety for all the churches that I am ministering to. That is what he looked at. And so may we check our own hearts as we look at Paul's example and may we be encouraged and enabled to say, God, I am willing to suffer and to sacrifice for the sake of your name. That is what real ministry is going to entail. Well, even as we think of future generations today, and uh, we we think of passing on to our our children, we think of one really unique future generation. And that is, again, as we go back to Luke chapter two and consider the birth of Christ. There was once a woman who gave birth to a son that was God in the flesh. And today we read, again, some of the familiar words. We read the amazing scene of the angels showing up to the shepherds and saying in verse 10, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace, among those with whom he is pleased. What an amazing scene. What good news. May we care that the future generations know this news about Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, even in our own sufferings and our own um, blessings, all of it, may we do what Mary did, where it talks about in verse 19, that she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. As we look at who God is and what he has done, may we ponder those things and treasure them up in our hearts and pass on that glorious truth to future generations. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.